after the first time I went there, and I played some great tennis in South Korea, and I love South Korea, but Gimcheon was a little bit different. And um, after the first time I played there, I thought, okay, John, I, I don't think you should go back there. And I went back there another two times after that. So How bad was it? Um, oh, look, it was, it was just different. It was... Um, um, food was hard to come by. Uh, don't know if the traditional Korean food sits well with me. And um, Days were long. But that's what you expect at, at Futures, you know, not everything's, you know, like this, like we yeah, are yeah. here, you know, run super professional. It's it's a little bit different, you know, but sometimes, you know, you, you get some of your, your funnier moments and, and some really good moments come from from those lower level tour events, uh, lower level tennis events, sorry. And, and um, look, my journey's taken me a, a little bit different um, and it's taken me to, to different paths and, and different cultures and different countries and and all different levels of, of, of our game but um, I wouldn't trade it in because they're experiences and that's what this is all about that's why you play tennis to have different experiences and and I've certainly had my fair share. Ladies and gentlemen would you please give a big round of applause and welcome one of Australia's greats Chris Guccione joins us today. Say hello to the people over the back here Chris. have a bit of a chat and yeah, see if yeah, it's working. Let's do the testing thing. Yeah. <laughs> testing. One, two. <laughs> it's going all right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I will uh, also do my phone in case this gets, this breaks down. Yeah. No problem. So uh, John Millman, welcome to the uh, Block Return Tennis Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be here in in Borstad and uh, good to be to, good to be having a bit of a chat. How are you? Uh, otherwise, how is life? Life's pretty good. Um, I've put together a pretty good season so far, and uh, at the moment, I'm I'm fit and 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 healthy, which is big for me because I've had some struggles in the past. But um, it's been a good season. The the body's cooperated. Uh, to a certain extent and uh, I've been enjoying the season it's been a lot of fun I've, I've been playing lots of matches and I just enjoy the competition so if I can stay out on court uh, you know I, I, I enjoy that that's good I have to ask you what do you think about the, the name the block return do you like it yeah I do I do I really do um, I don't tend to block too many uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got the hands for that but uh no, I do like it. Obviously, I think it inspired a little bit by uh, big Chris Guccione, yeah, who I was very that's... close to. I haven't seen Gucci for a long time, though, now. He's uh, down in Melbourne, but he's a uh, 
he was a great player and, and a very good friend of mine on, on the tour. And unfortunately, Is he retired? Um, look, I think he's, he's uh, I'm not totally sure what his status is. I know he's doing a fair bit of coaching down in Melbourne and, and uh, I know he does have a protected ranking double. So we might see him down the track. I'd love to see him down the track. It was uh, always a, a pleasure to be able to, to go out and, and throw a bit of banter around with him. He was uh, one of my favourite people on the tour. So um, it's unfortunate the older I get, some of, some of the older guys, they, they stop on the tour like Sam Groth for example who also I was yeah, quite yeah. close to and, and um, yeah you miss them a little bit because uh, the new generation's coming up and you know I'm not, not so good at Fortnite so I, uh, <laughs> I can't quite uh, get with them with that so tennis players they like to play Fortnite apparently yeah that's I, I think I think a lot of the, the young ones are, are playing that one that seems to be the, the the preferred game right now hopefully I like playing a bit of Call of Duty, so hopefully uh, when the new Black Ops comes out, uh, people start swinging by and playing that one. That's good. Uh, so is it your first time here in Bostad? It is. I've obviously been to Stockholm before and I uh, love Sweden. I think it's a, a magical country and Bostad's uh, blown me out of the water. I've heard uh, that this tournament's great and the reputation um, speaks for itself, but I thought I'd check it out seeing as... Um, playing a few club matches in Germany. My uh, season's been extended on the clay, which isn't normal for me, but um, I'm really glad I came here. It's a, it's a beautiful place. Uh, the people are amazing. And I, I gotta say the, the tournament staff are unbelievable here. They go above and beyond and um, it is a, it's a great place to come and play tennis. That's good to hear. Can you, uh, do you know any Swedish words? Um, no, I don't. No. And it's, uh, it looks like a, a bloody tough language and uh, <laughs> being Australian, a lot of Australians are uh, pretty average when it comes to languages. I don't think they take it too seriously in school. I, I probably should have taken it a little bit more serious, but uh, yeah, Swedish, I'm, I apologize uh, to anyone from Sweden listening right now. My, uh, my Swedish is pretty, pretty average. <laughs> I see that. Uh, how has the transition been from switching from grass to clay. I mm. mean, you, you played Wimbledon not so long ago. Yeah, yeah. look, I played uh, not so long ago Wimbledon. Um, it's always tricky when you're going from one surface to the other. I think it's maybe slightly easier coming from grass to clay than the other way around, clay to grass. Um, for me, it was really important on the grass court swing to get as many matches as possible on that grass. Uh, my game on grass gets a lot better the more matches I have. Um, but the 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 switch was I, I got a bit of a rude awakening actually coming from from grass to, to clay i played a, a bundesliga club tennis match and and pablo cuevas uh, was my opponent and he gave wow. me a bit of a lesson um <laughs> when i'd just come from from wimbledon he had to but he obviously handled the situation a lot better but um look like anything it takes just a, a little bit to get used to it to a new surface and um obviously being australian clay's not something that we generally grow up on, but uh, I tend to to play all right on the stuff. I had to play a lot of club tennis when I was um, younger and, and just to be able to finance this, this tennis dream. And um, I think my game, you know, suits it. I, I'm, I'm lucky that my game kind of um, transitions well to most surfaces. And uh, yeah, look, I think that the key thing is, is just making sure that that, that body's in check because that's probably the toughest thing. Um, once you get your timing and that, it's it's making sure your body adapts to a new surface, which isn't always easy. So that can uh, 
get you injured you think yeah 100 percent uh also how long the season is yeah, yeah. can get you injured but yeah changing surfaces changing conditions um definitely obviously clay the balls are a lot heavier um you're probably playing a lot a lot more balls over your shoulder and then there's the sliding aspect so i think there's more stress on the shoulder because you're playing balls you know probably head height at times yeah. the clay makes the balls heavier so at impact it's a bit heavier and then there's the sliding aspect. So you know, I've had gro- I've had shoulder and groin surgery. So the oh. sliding with the with the groin surgery, you know that <laughs> that you know you just want to make sure that you're doing all the right things in the gym to to help you out when you make that transition. And uh, I'm lucky that I've got some great people working with me back home, and and um, you know they stay on top of things, and hopefully I try to stay on top of things too. And and working together like that. Um, gives me my best chance to to make that transition and to avoid injury good good and uh, i want to congratulate you for your career high ranking of yeah. 52 in the world yeah how does that feel yeah it's great look for me um i've always felt like i could get my ranking down nice and low um if i can just remain injury free but this one's been really satisfying to be honest with you um after being out for seven seven and a half, seven months or so from groin surgery uh, i made my return and Mestra Challenger a week before Roland Garros last year. So pretty much in, in a year and 13 months, uh, 13 months, 14 months, I've managed to to get my ranking back down and, and to be sitting here at a career high, um, you know, not terribly long after surgery is, is quite satisfying. And um, I think it's uh, really satisfying for the people back home who, um, you know, do all the work behind the scenes to get me right. My surgeons, my doctors, uh, my physios, my mas- massage therapist, Bruno, he's unbelievable. Um, physios, just everyone. There's, it's a, a strength and conditioning coach. The, it's a team effort. Um, and that goes a little bit unnoticed with the tennis because, you know, you obviously, when you're watching it, you're seeing a, a battle between, you know, two players for singles, you know, four players with the doubles. But... Um, quite alone on the court, but off the court, there's uh, a massive team behind you that are that are trying to get you right and trying to get you performing at, at your peak week in week out. Do you have any ranking goals? To yeah, look, um, obviously 52. I'd like to get inside yeah. 50. That'd be nice. But look, um, to begin with, you know, when I first started out, I thought that. The level was so high. I just wanted to play a qualies of a slam, and you get more comfortable. Uh, the more exposure and more experience you get, and, and um, that's key to to climbing up the ranking. And uh, you know, when I broke top hundred for the first time, that was extremely satisfying. And and I did earmarked this year that I'd like to enter into that top fifty. And and I think once you get into the top fifty, who knows? You know, obviously getting seated at slams would be unbelievable. But uh, first of all, I'd like to, you know stay healthy because that's the main thing and i feel like if i stay healthy um com- turning up and competing each week's never really been an issue for me and if if i can stay on top of my body um compete each week i think that the results will come and, and hopefully i can climb up that ranking a little bit higher than what it is right now uh, we're not going to talk uh, too much about wimbledon but yeah. uh, you faced raunic in the second yeah. round lost in uh, three tiebreakers i mean how tough tough is it to to play against against uh, Raonic on grass, yeah, Shivers, it must re- be a nightmare. Really tough and and um, quite a tough draw actually. I, I got through four sets against Travaglia the the round before, um, but going into Wimbledon, uh, I started a little bit slower in Stuttgart, um, 
I picked up things where I qualified in Queens, still finding my game on the grass, but then come Eastbourne, I made quarters there and started to play really well. And, and at Wimbledon, I thought I was actually hitting the ball really well. Um, so it was tough for me because I thought there were guys there that I could beat, but you draw against someone like a Milos yeah. Reinich where um, obviously probably one of the better grass quarters in my opinion going around. He's got that uh, massive serve. I think he he nearly uh, KO'd me um, <laughs> with a 147 miler at the wow. body. And I was, yeah, he nearly... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he nearly had me down for the count. But uh, look, Milos is an extremely challenging player because he's got that weapon. Uh, that serve is a massive weapon. Uh, and uh, on the grass, it, it, it's it's even more tricky. I've I faced uh, some of the b biggest servers, I feel. And Milos is, I think, is probably the biggest. Wow, wow. He also played Djokovic in Queens. Yeah, Can yeah. Can you sense that uh, his form was going up and that he Yeah, well, he whipped me. Yeah, he whipped me, didn't he? He, <laughs> um, he played great tennis, really. Yeah. Um, I've been lucky to play a lot of the big players now. And, um, you know, I thought Djokovic was really hitting the ball well. He was really comfortable with, with the speed of the court. I thought he was back being really confident on return. But also, I think... Uh, when he's using that, that great two-handed backhand down the line, you know that he's getting a good feel of, of the conditions and, his, and of his game. And um, he opened me up a little bit with that. It's, it's a great shot of his. And um, yeah, just the constant pressure from, from Novak. He, he didn't give me any easy holds on the grass. And, and I felt like he was cruising through his surface games because I was still trying to catch my breath from... from uh, from the tough holds that I had, so no, he. Uh, I, I certainly thought he was playing some good tennis. Uh, obviously, went on to, to win Wimbledon, and um, I think at that top end, the more competitive it is the the better it is. Uh, I've watched some great battles with those players before, and hopefully, we can watch a few more. Cool. Uh, let's do some uh, facts questions. Okay. Uh, your full name? John Harry Millman. Yeah, I'm named after um, my dad's best mate and uh, my dad's father. So that's the John and that's the Harry and yeah, flying the Millman flag. <laughs> uh, where is home for you? Yeah, that's Brisbane. Um, I spent a fair bit of time in Stuttgart too, but um, yeah, home's Brisbane. I don't get to go home as often as I'd, I'd like, but... It's a it's a, a special place for me where I've got lots of friends and family and and um, yeah I try to get back when I can and and go to my local coffee shop and and just enjoy life a little bit when I'm back home. Uh, a person you look up to in uh, life? That'd have to be um, both my mum and dad. I know that's maybe a slightly cliched answer, but I can't think of uh, two more. Um, uh, better people going around uh, kind to others but they've given myself and my four sisters every opportunity in life you know at one stage I think they're working about five jobs between them to get my sisters and myself through private school and wow. um, they're incredible people and and uh, you know I love them to bits and that's probably one of the best things about this tennis journey they you know they're obviously proud of me but um, you know if I can um, share these experiences with them it makes it all worthwhile 
Uh, tell me an app you can't uh, live without. An app I can't live without. I'll quickly Is it the unlock uh, WhatsApp. My, I'll quickly unlock my <laughs> phone for a second. Um, WhatsApp, I I really do enjoy. Yeah. Obviously, I'm on my phone a bit. Viber, we've got a few group chats with that. That's quite uh, usual for tennis players to use uh, WhatsApp and. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, yeah, look, obviously also my little Safari button down the bottom because oh. I'm always checking <laughs> Liverpool rumors. Um, I don't tweet a lot, but I'm on Twitter a bit because I'm always checking what's happening yeah, yeah. with Liverpool and, and uh, obviously being quite a big fan. And, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm amongst a couple of actually tennis players that are Liverpool fans. So yeah, try to do that when I can. Yeah, uh, The greatest phone number you have? The greatest phone number I have? Um, oh, that's a tricky one. Again, I'm not too good with my uh, keeping up to date with that. But look, I uh, don't really want to put too many people on on a pedestal. Um, but obviously, in the tennis world, we, we you know you pick up phone numbers and stuff. But the one that I probably use the most is probably to to, to fee and also to to one of my mates back home, like a, a Liam or, or something like that. So. They're, those people are the most special ones to me. None of the other big names. Good. Uh, your favorite food? I had Swedish meatballs last night. Oh. That, not Here? my favorite, but it was very good. It was At the uh, yes, lounge? Yes, very, yeah. very good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm a big breakfast person. So I love um, like my breakfast burritos. I like an Eggs Benedict. I, any type of um, breakfast meal that I get back home, I really like. So... I'm not going to be branded to it, you know, I don't want to be pigeonholed into one category because I like everything. And it's one of the, the great things about how multicultural Australia is because um, if you feel like Thai, there's a great Thai restaurant. If you feel like Indian, there's a great Indian restaurant. Just lots of different cultures combining yeah, together yeah. and that means the, the food's pretty good back home. That's the same here. We have a lot of mm. different uh, cuisines. And yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. Uh, your first idol in uh, tennis? Yeah, growing up, I get asked this one a bit, but growing up it was um, Paddy Rafter actually. Uh, he hailed from Queensland and, you know, when I was young and, and coming up, he was, you know, at the top of his game and, and obviously got to world number one, a couple of US Open titles. And coming from, from Queensland where I live, uh, he was loved by just about everyone and, and myself included. Yeah, your favorite tournament on tour? Um, I'd have to say Brisbane. Um, because you played I, really well there over the years. Because I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd cop it if I didn't say Brisbane. But honestly, um, there's a couple of great tournaments. This one's yeah. unbelievable. But Brisbane holds some pretty special moments for me. It's always pretty cool to be able to play in front of a home crowd that's really going after you. And, and Brisbane, I think they do a great job there. The tournament's fantastic. And... Uh, I've obviously played some some pretty cool matches there against Federer, Dimitrov, Murray's. Like I've, uh, it's it's been fun. So definitely Brisbane, I would have to say, is my favourite. You think that it's? Uh, do you feel the added pressure on playing on home definitely. soil because we have uh, like Swedish players here mm. over the years yeah, not performing well? Yeah, definitely. It's um, look. I, I say this to some people. Brisbane's probably my most favorite tournament and my least favorite tournament uh, all wrapped up into yeah. one um, just because I think uh, I, I really do feel um, a responsibility when I I play Brisbane to 
to play some really good tennis. And, and I obviously try to do that year in, year out. And it doesn't always work. But uh, playing in front of your friends and family and just people who have inspired you and, and taken part of this journey with you, uh, you want to put your best foot forward in front of them and, and you want to make them proud. And, and obviously with that comes a fair bit of pressure when I come and play in my backyard. The greatest player you have uh, faced in your career? Um, look, I, I think it has to be Roger. Um, played him in Brisbane and, you know, I think he's the, the best player um, that the game's ever seen. There's the a couple. Yeah, look, yeah. I think there's a couple of great ones too. Like, I, I think that Raf is incredible uh, and, you know, he gave actually me a bit of a lesson at Wimbledon, um, which was tough. And Djokovic obviously gave me a bit of a yeah. lesson. I've played Murray a couple of times too. So I've played a couple of the big boys. But for me, um, just the the way Federer makes tennis look, I think, is extremely special. It, it's effortless. It looks natural. It, it almost looks a bit like a, a, a dance, you know, the way he plays. And... and uh, I think all those things combined make him probably the, the most special of the lot. The most obscure tournament you have ever played. Whoa, geez, there's a couple. Um, I'll obviously go off, off the track here because uh, um, obviously in ATPs they're generally pretty good. Uh, but I've played a lot of futures. Uh, i played challenges obviously in a lot of futures. Um, most obscure, I rocked up at Patesht in Romania once and that was oh. in the middle of nowhere and yeah, struggled with that. Um, but Gimchon, South Korea, that always kind of springs to my mind. And I, After the first time I went there and I played some great tennis in South Korea and I love South Korea, but Gimchon was a little bit different. And um, after the first time I played there, I thought, okay, John, I... I don't think you should go back there. And I went back there another two times after that. So how bad was it? Um, oh, look, it was. It was just different. It was um, um, food was hard to come by. Uh, don't know if the traditional Korean food sits well with me. And um, days were long, but that's what you expected at futures. You know, not everything's you know like this. Like we are yeah, yeah. here. You know, run super professional. It's it's a little bit different. You know, but. Sometimes, you know, you, you get some of your, your funnier moments and, and some really good moments come from, from those low-level tour events, uh, low-level tennis events, sorry. And, and um, look, my journey's taken me a, a little bit different um, and it's taken me to, to different paths and, and different cultures and different countries and, and all different levels of, of, of our game. But um I wouldn't trade it in because they're experiences and that's what this is all about. That's why you play tennis, to have different experiences and, and I've certainly had my fair share. Uh, would you say that it's uh, character building to, uh, I mean, play those low, yeah. lower ones? And, uh... Yeah, for sure. I think you you learn pretty quickly if you, if you want to stick at it, um, especially when you're from Australia. Generally speaking, we have to go away for a, an extended period of time uh, consecutive months and and that's tricky we don't have the luxury of being able to to fly somewhere for two weeks and then fly home because it's just too far and too expensive so um i do think it hardens you up and and it inspires you to try to get out of that level as quickly as possible and um yeah look 
it's all part of the journey for me. I had to develop my game and that was an essential part of doing so. Your greatest match in uh, your career? Oh, um, yeah, I'm lucky I've had a few really um, special matches. One that just probably leaps to mind just now is probably a second round at an Australian Open. Um, I was playing against Gilles Muller. And, I remember uh, that match. Yeah, we were in a, a quite a big battle there. Yeah. Uh, and really, I ended up winning at 7-5 in the fifth set. I didn't feel tired at all. I, I felt like I had so much energy because the crowd on it was one on one of the show court show court three I'm pretty sure and and the crowd were uh, electrifying they were playing every point with me and it just created such a an incredible atmosphere on on that specific court where the everyone's quite close together and it was uh, yeah it was a really special moment and 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 one that you know I, I kind of took a, a snapshot in my mind of and I have held on to it ever since it's great to hear uh, if there is something you would change on the ATP tour mm. uh, what would it be it's maybe a yeah, tough question tricky question uh, I probably have to think about it a little bit longer but um, look I um, probably just because it's fresh in my mind a little bit coming yeah. from some German club tennis I love the idea of of Having our big tournaments, our majors, our, uh, you know, some of our masters events, but I just I love the fact that you can have a uh, team competitions too, and uh, the Bundesliga do it really well in Germany, and and I wonder whether you know something completely radical. I think people really identify to team matches and and um, you know team sports, and and uh, yeah, I'd love. To still have our biggest tournaments where we play individually, but how cool would it be to have um, big leagues, you know, like they do in the football where you're part of a team? And, and I think that'd be actually pretty cool. Like a Labour Cup, but. Uh... Yeah, but uh, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. And, you know, the different countries have the um, different strengths. And obviously, I think that'd help out players too a little bit because you'd have a bit more, you know, sign contracts and get some guaranteed money tennis is is tough you know yeah. if you don't uh it's year to year you get an injury you're in a lot of trouble uh go for a slight loss of form then um you're in a bit of trouble because tennis is so top end heavy if you're outside of the top 100 you're not really making a whole lot of money um so i think they could perhaps continue to to work on extending this um i'd love to see instead of there being continual increases in prize money for main draw players at slams i'd rather see that all go into qualifying you know i think uh we don't really need to get more than three million for for the winner or whatever i get paid for first or second round or third round uh, i'd love to see maybe 
a bit more of an emphasis actually if there's any more prize money increases actually feeding that into all qualifying because I think that's a, a great way of being able to to get more than just 100 guys making a, a, a solid living. There's also been a lot of discussion regarding that about the revenue from uh, Grand yep. Slams that they should increase the number. I think it's like, I think it's 15% yes. for players. Yeah, look. I, that's a very low number. Yeah, look, and obviously it's quite a contentious issue. Um, but yeah, I, th I, th I think you're right. I think um, I definitely agree with, I can see both sides of the argument a little bit, but I can I definitely see that I can I definitely have, have feeling for for the players who who believe that that fifteen percent should be a much larger number and it, it probably should. Uh, without the players, you can't really have a tournament. Um, yeah, yeah. But but if that was increased significantly, like I said, I'd I'd love to see. Um, a slight emphasis be put on actually that money being fed into to the the guys who are playing qualifying and maybe ex push out that number from say a hundred guys making a really decent living from tennis to maybe 240 250 guys i think that'd be pretty cool let's talk about your commentating yeah you've been getting a lot of okay positive feedback yeah. rightly so <laughs> uh, when did it all start you yeah, i um I probably talk too much at times, so people always know oh. that I can talk. Uh, but no, look, I it was actually came about when I had groin surgery. Uh, I was about to have groin surgery, probably about a month later. I uh, figured out that I wasn't going to be able to play in Brisbane, and I got called in and asked if I wanted to to call the the final between Dimitrov and Nishikori. I did so, and then I got the invite to to go down and do semis and final of Sydney and. A part of the world team feed um got the opportunity to then call the australian open and yeah look they kept me around for another couple of they kept me around this year and i called a few matches after my tennis was done at the australian open and i really enjoy it um look i, I enjoy tennis full stop i enjoy the the competitiveness and the competition and um and being able to talk about it uh so commentating for me is 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 has always been interesting uh i'm extremely lucky part of that world team feed that i've called matches um you know with you, you robbie koenigs and yeah i'm just gonna ask about you, you worked with him yeah i How have famous and I robbie Koenig. yeah yeah <laughs> oh it's a line liquor <laughs> um i think he's brilliant Petchy's unbelievable yeah. lester nick lester i mean there's the world team feed is actually incredible um and then guys even outside of of tennis matty hill he's uh our race caller leading race caller in melbourne he does a bit of the tennis i think he's brilliant donnegan uh, unbelievable uh, uh, honestly and gary wilkinson he's been a legend in our broadcast in channel seven um for many many years and i was sharing the booth with these guys it was wow. actually pretty cool you yeah. know um for me um that's part of it's a big part of the business you know you've got to make tennis um approachable to people who are, are flicking through the tv stations and they want it you have to get them to stop on that tennis and these guys are driving the game um in that type of way too it's not just your fedder is playing the game it's uh the colorful commentary that goes with it do you see yourself working as a commentator after your tennis career maybe oh mate i <laughs> honestly don't know at all um i'm happy to There's do a few years uh, left yeah hopefully i can keep <laughs> playing a bit of tennis and yeah. then i can cross that bridge when it comes to it but um look it's it's obviously something that i've enjoyed doing otherwise I, I wouldn't continue to do it around the australian open time but um 
yeah, look, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it, but hopefully I can get a few more wins and, and keep this tennis dream going for a little bit longer. like to hear that. Uh, I have to ask you, how is the fox doing? The fox, yeah. Um, <laughs> Reading a lot of uh, actually, good stories. From yeah, Wimbledon. he actually just sent me a picture. He's back home, which yeah. is good. Um, <laughs> found his way home, so that's nice. But no, um, the fox is my father, for those that don't yeah. know. And, and uh, no, he, he's going very well. He, he always makes it a trip to come to Wimbledon and then more recently come and watch a couple of the club matches too. And, and I, I don't know which one he likes more because he loves Wimbledon, but I tell you what, he absolutely loves the club matches too so um, it's great to have him over here um, I love my old man more than anything he annoys the absolute hell out of me at times <laughs> but I I do love him to bits and um, like I said I touched on it's it's all part of the journey and it's all part of of what I find satisfying about tennis is that I can give back to those guys who have helped me so much and and my dad and my mother the the the, the, the fox um, you know I couldn't I'm never going to be able to give back as much as they gave me you have to get the fox to has to visit Sweden sometime yes it was too expensive to get him over here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah no look mum needed him back home so uh, maybe Stockholm we'll see that's good uh, will you play the Stockholm Open have you decided I'd like to look it's yeah? it's a bit too far to, to look at that type of schedule and hopefully I'm fit and still being yeah. able to play tennis but obviously if my rankings you know around this mark I think this is those are the type of tournaments you have to start targeting and um, I have good memories from Stockholm I, I like actually indoor hardcore quite a fair bit and um, Stockholm was a beautiful place beautiful club too so I plan to come back there at some stage uh, hopefully it's 2018 Let's hope so, John Millman. Uh, you wrote a great post in the Player's Voice about you sleeping on floors and yeah. train stations. Was it really that bad during the early stages of your career? Oh, really that bad? I wouldn't say it was bad. I just would say that Unusual, it's... Unusual, maybe. Yeah, it's just something that for me to be able to play tennis, I had to do, you know. And I'm, I'm one of many, many players that, you know, have to, to go down that route where it's a little bit tough, but it hardens you up. And... Um, yeah, it's just something I had to do. So I wouldn't say it's bad. It was it was definitely character building, and and uh, but I always wanted to be a tennis player, and if it meant putting in some of those hard yards and making those types of sacrifices, um, it was either that or go home and and go and study. You know, so uh, I did it and and grinded through it, and I'm really glad I did because now I get to to take in places like this and have been able to to make a bit of a career out of tennis and and uh just enjoy doing something that i enjoy doing there was also the angry tuk tuk driver if you say so uh is that how you pronounce it tuk tuk yeah driver? The, yeah the can tuk you do that story the, pretty quick here well, is this the in korea yeah yeah, yeah. the pizza so the pizza thing. Yeah, yeah the pizza so um this is actually in gimchon so oh okay okay yeah, I was we, laughing a lot. Yeah, we yeah, Gimchon's uh where the courts are especially and, and where the hotel is, you know, they didn't have too much transport going to and from um the hotel, which was a while away and, and back then I mean paying for a taxi to get to the hotel was way too expensive for a person who's playing futures. So I um I think I was there with Maddie Barton actually and uh we had finished playing and 
unfortunately we'd miss the second last bus and so the next bus is like three hours like a another three hours away it's an hour after the last match and we're waiting for this doubles to to finish and um we had to order some food yeah. and so yeah like i said korean food wasn't sitting too well with me so <laughs> we did the professional thing and got pizza hut <laughs> and uh yeah we're sitting and watching the game and i think nima roshnan is playing doubles uh, maybe with i can't remember who he was playing with but i know daniel garza was at the other end um we're watching the the, the doubles and uh it's getting into quite a tense moment, you know. It's it's uh, might be close to like a match tie. No, it's just before a match tie break. It's oh, maybe five six yeah. uh, in the second set, and uh, you hear this loud scooter tuk tuk thing like this, you know. And uh, it's coming along, and uh, we see it coming from the distance, and it's, it's pulling around the corner. And for some reason, it it goes straight up to the 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 fence. Oh. of the court and uh Nima had been complaining to the umpire just before because and told him to watch the ball a bit closer because he wasn't happy with some of the line calls but then this tuk-tuk comes or this little scooter moped and <laughs> the pizza delivery guy gets out and tries to deliver the pizzas to Daniel Garza <laughs> uh in quite a pivotal moment in the match you know, maybe a 30-40 and um he didn't oh. really speak much English, so Gaza's. No, if he wanted to eat, he, he might have wanted the pizza, but uh, Nemo was pretty upset. Obviously, uh, I think it was McLooney double faulted and uh, went to a match tiebreaker, and Nemo yells at the umpire, "Why weren't you looking for the tuk tuk? And why didn't you you get him off the court?" And the umpire replied. Uh, Mate, you told me just to, to, to watch the ball. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it's it's all part of the, the yeah, fun games of the of the futures, and and that's uh, it's funny because uh, they're the stories that that, you, that that people talk about, and that's on the the very lowest level of, of tennis. That's a great story, John Millman. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the yeah. block return. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, hopefully I can extend my stay in in Borstal a little longer. Thank you, and I hope you, uh, if you chat to Guccione, yes, you will uh, we'll try to get him about on this uh, podcast. Uh, f- uh, one final thing: you have to pick a song for the episode to uh, end okay. with. Okay, any song you want. Any song I want. Gee whiz, you've managed to put me on the spot <laughs> again, haven't you? Sorry. Look, I think it has to be something um, from the Temper Trap. Um, they're an Australian band, and I think that they're unbelievable and let's go with one of their biggest ones we'll go with sweet disposition pleasure man anytime 